You're listening to Something Weird. I'm Brooke, and this is Anna. Hello, friends. Here you'll find semi-regular dialogue on all things paranormal or even just a little bit weird. And uh, it is our final episode of the season, which is wild. Uh, I can't believe we've got, what, 36 episodes in this what else is 36 weeks? That's like, a, that's like a number for something important, isn't it? Yeah, isn't it? 36, 36 weeks. weeks. What is 36 weeks? I'll look it up. How many months is that? <laughs> <laughs> eh. Wouldn't that be eight? Oh. <laughs> it's, it's like pregnancy. It's like almost... You're almost done? Yeah, but isn't it that, like, 39, 40 weeks? Oh, yeah. 40. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. That's I just the know. first thing that came up. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, we've, <laughs> we've been doing this for 36 weeks. It is almost an entire human baby, which... Baby. Oh, my gosh. That's awful to think that you would be pregnant this whole time. Yeah, that was a long-ass time. What the heck... How do people That's not do right. it? Is it? It is right. Yeah, it oh is. Oh my gosh. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Talk about weird. <laughs> Clearly, we don't have kids. Um, I'd be worried uh, if we did. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. I blacked out the whole time. I don't know how long I was pregnant. <sighs> Some Several weeks. <laughs> well, we're lifelong friends here on this joyful podcast uh, who've had an affinity for the strange since we first met. And now we're here to foxtrot into the bazaar with you. So you probably know by now, but each week one of us will dig into a paranormal tale as we ponder the question, do we want to believe? And it's my turn. I'm going to wrap up the season for us. So hopefully it's not uh, a bust. (laughs) Um, I was telling you that I kind of had a change of heart over the weekend about what I wanted to tell you. Um, and that was mostly inspired by watching, um, Horse Girl on Netflix. Have you heard about it? Don't, oh my gosh, it. I feel like you would like it. It sounds misleading. Tall Girl? Isn't that, isn't that a Netflix show? (laughs) Yeah, not Tall Girl. Oh my God, no. Same thing. Um, Horse Girl is, has Alison Brie. It was just up at Sundance a couple weekends ago um, and got quite a lot of talk about it. So it's on Netflix. Alison Brie is your main girl and has Molly Shannon in it. It is a wild ride of a movie. <laughs> I wish you had seen Dang. it. You need to watch it. It's about, like, I don't know, going into it, you're not really sure what it's about, but ultimately it's this girl who, like, is kind of your typical horse girl, hence the name. Um, Yeah. Just kind of awkward, shy, has a horse, like, just, she's her own unique person. And you're watching this story unfold where she comes to the realization that she's being abducted by aliens, is potentially a clone, but at the same time comes from a family history, like all the women in her family um, suffering from mental illness. So it's this like really intense back and forth of like, is she like having a breakdown? Is she becoming like schizophrenic? Is she like... 
you don't know what to believe. You don't know if you believe her. It's like, it was a lot. It was, it's like it was, a high school girl version of American Psycho minus the torture and sex. Minus the murder, but like, well, she's not even high school. She's like an adult woman. Oh, God. Um, even but, weirder. Sorry. Yeah, she. It's really uncomfortable to watch her and like watch her interact with people. Like, I think Allison Brie did an amazing job just like. Ugh. It's just so hard to watch, but it was so good and also really frustrating, but highly encourage you to see it. So I'm watching this and, you know, it's all about like, is she being abducted? Is she not? And then there are these moments where like she's having really vivid dreams or it's reality of like her abduction and seeing people and seeing these shadows and like, it's really troubling. Um... And it got me thinking about the episode I did with the um, abduction therapist. The doctor, yeah. Yeah, who, like, you know, helps these people through this process. And, like, so much of what's in the movie is, like, exactly, like, what he talked about in what he sees with his patients of, like, lost time, uh, waking up in unfamiliar places, like, having these really vivid flashbacks but not being able to put any, like, story together. And it's just, like, it was... I don't know. It was very... So, I have this story for you. I'm glad you explained the premise of Horse Girl because it is, that is really not what I had imagined at all. I was thinking more along the lines of, like, Black Beauty and Wild Hearts Can't Be Broken. and Well, both great, uh, great movies, but... Um... <laughs> Horse Girl? I mean... <laughs> Awkward. Um, yeah, and even if I hadn't, because I was, like, reading about it at, at Sundance. I didn't see it at Sundance, but I was reading about it being at Sundance. And if I hadn't read that, I never would have watched this based off the title. So. so. I do love Alison Brie, though. She's she's great. She's great. Yeah, I love her. So with all of that, I got all excited. I changed my story like usual. So I'm going to tell you about... The very bizarre, but quite intriguing, Allagash Alien Abductions. Allagash. Allagash. It is the summer of 1976, and we are in Allagash, Maine, so northeast, uh, very northeast, and we're following the journey of a group of college students. They're on summer break, and they decided it would be a great use of their time to go canoeing down the Allagash Wilderness Waterway and camp out and fish along the way. So they're just going to, like, take a week, go camp, go fish, do drugs. I don't know. Whatever. It's the Do drugs? Well, it's the same. And they're cool. I was like, wow, that's not like usually part of a camping weekend as far as I'm concerned. Like, but hey, hey, I might not be so fun. (laughs) We have um, we have our college kid group. We have brothers Jim Wiener and Jack Wiener. (laughs) Stop. Sorry. (laughs) But really. Yeah. Jim and Jack Wiener. You got the Wieners. Um, (laughs) And they have with them their friends. Charles Fultz and Charles Rock. Two Charles and two Wieners. This sounds like 
<laughs> anyway. <laughs> two chucks and two wieners. Okay, so they're all students at the Massachusetts College of Art and Design. And again, they were just looking for a fun camping trip. So the first day and night was your, whatever, your average camp trip. They're having a good time. They're going down on their canoes. They're stopping, they're fishing, and they set up camp. However, things start to get a little bit weird early on. The second night, um, who was it? So the second night that they're camped out, one of the Wiener brothers, I'm not entirely sure who, I bet it just is Wiener. One of the Wieners. A Wiener. Uh, <laughs> My maturity level is about at a, like a 12-year-old boys right now, but I can't. It's too good. The disappearing Wieners. <clears throat> wiener. All right. So one of the Wieners is out, and they notice a very... <laughs> I didn't even mean to say that. <laughs> I knew you were about to scoff at me, and I was like, uh-uh. Like... <laughs> No, I didn't mean to say that. Okay, let me get through this. So either Jim or Jack, I'm not sure who, it's in the evening, so they're like setting up camp, and they look up and they notice a really strange light in the sky. Um, And he described it as, quote, it was just floating above the treetops, didn't seem to be moving in any direction, and I looked at it uh, through the binoculars for maybe 15 seconds, 30 seconds, and it suddenly just winked out from the outside edges inward. I mean, it literally <laughs> just went, whoop. There was something about the thing that left me with an odd feeling that wasn't quite right, but I really didn't dwell on it. So this thing is just hovering above the trees, and then it literally blinks out of existence. And he's like, whatever, whoop. Okay, yeah, normal response. Yeah, like... That was weird, but you're not going to, like, go back and, like, be freaked out, tell your brother, tell your friends. You wouldn't? That's what I'm asking. Like, why wouldn't you? Oh, (laughs) yeah. I mean, okay, so it is kind of strange, though, because we always act so surprised and, like, shocked that no one makes a big deal out of these things. But Mm -hmm. it was the other night, and I swore I saw some thing like it was a it, it, I thought there was another person in the room with me and I like looked up it was in my periphery and then you know it wasn't anything mm-hmm. but like there are so many instances where you just kind of brush things off when it could entirely be something yeah that's true so yeah, that's true. I get it yeah but kind of not yeah. I don't know that's a pretty wild uh light shining blinking away yeah yeah I guess it kind of reminds me of like in psychology we were talking about um like schema scripts and like when something doesn't follow or like meet our expectation of what it should be then we're like we'll either get really hung up on it or we'll explain it away and just be like it's this because that makes sense with this schema and like this is what I know and I'm not going to think about it anymore and if I do then yeah. we get all like fucked up so I guess that makes sense um well regardless he just wanted to brush it off and was like it was probably just some strange aircraft I'm going to go back to my canoeing trip I don't want to think about this anymore 
he does just that. He goes back to the, um, his group, and everything was normal until on the fourth day, um, another strange occurrence would happen, but this time everyone saw it. So Dang. It's, this the, is actually, sorry, just to okay. interrupt again, um, to have four people, Yeah, that's like pretty, that's super rare, because in most of the stories, I, like, I'm trying to think in any of the other stories we've covered, where there has been more than like two people who have seen one thing at a time, if, if two even at all. Yeah. Like and I can only think of Jeff. Jeff the Weasel. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's, like, very, very rare, I feel like. I feel like, you know, there could be, like, independent stories of experiencing the same thing or seeing the same thing, but at the same time, not so much. Yeah, exactly, and, like, well, depending on, you'll, I mean, I'll have to just sit here quiet for a bit and listen, but depending (laughs) on what their accounts are, too. Yeah. um, Okay, so it's the fourth day, and the group is out there, it, the fourth day into the evening, they decide to go night fishing because apparently that's a thing. So they take their canoe onto the Big Eagle Lake. So on the shore, they had built a large bonfire, which was kind of flickering like in and out um, over the black water below them. Um, and that was trying to kind of give them a sense of direction of like where they were so they could get back to the shore and get back to their camp. So they see the light kind of flickering in and out on the water. But even as their kind of signal sat there on the shore, they notice another light that catches their attention. And this one in um, is right above in the night sky above them. So Rack, one of the friends who's on the trip, he describes it like this. I had a feeling there was someone staring at me from behind me. I turned over my right shoulder like that. And I saw this large, round globe of light that looked exactly like what we had seen two nights previously. It had this rolling effect to it, like a miniature sun, very, very bright. It lit the treetops up like daylight, and, there was, and it was absolutely silent. After looking at it for what seemed like several moments, we decided to signal this thing. That's when Charlie picked up the flashlight and squeezed off a message, SOS. <laughs> So they were like what? communicating like, with this thing, which like, which like, uh, and <laughs> it was probably not a good idea that they did that, because as soon as they sent off the SOS, the light seemed to change directions and head directly towards them. Yeah, because they were like, well, they're trying to flag us down. Yeah, so we're gonna come check it out. So you got these. <laughs> You have these four guys on a canoe in the middle of wilderness. There's nothing around them for what? For miles and miles. And they're just sitting in the middle of a lake. So this big object, this big bright light object comes towards them. Um, it's estimated that it was around 50, or sorry, 80 feet in diameter. Um, and as soon as it comes, they freak out and start trying to row to shore as fast as they could. Um, as the object was kind of, like, drawing near them, right on top of them. So Jim, one of the brothers, says that he couldn't help but look behind him, and this is what he sees. Quote, I remember looking over my shoulder, trying to keep an eye on the object as it was coming up behind us. It was getting very close, almost on top of us at this point, and I remember thinking that we were not going to outrun this thing. I remember thinking, 
I could pick up a stone and bounce it off this thing's side. That's how close it was. And then all of a sudden, it was streaked away, or it just streaked away very, very fast. And within a few seconds, it was like a star, just another light in the sky. What? So it just bailed. It was like, oh man, it's not one of ours. Gotta go. Just kidding. Well, not quite. So by the time that the that they got back to the shore, they realized that that like big bonfire that they had made as a signal to like get them back, um, it was pretty much down to just embers. So that would mean that there was actually several hours that passed before they actually got back to shore. But their experience and what they recount was just a few minutes. Oh no! Missing time. Oh man! Unless. No, yeah. Missing times. (laughs) (laughs) And as soon as they're back, so the fire's gone, they're like, what the fuck? But they don't even really have the opportunity to think about it that much because they're all overcome with this insane exhaustion. Just like, they have to sleep. So all they want to do is just get back to their camp and go to bed and just continue on with their trip. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Can you... That's... Ugh, you don't even, like, have a comfortable place to lie down and... You're freaking camping in the wilderness. And, like, none of them wanted to talk about it. They were just like, let's just go to bed. And... So tired. And there really wasn't much conversation after this fact, again, according to the guys. Like, they just went on with their trip. They tried to kind of ignore whatever it was that they experienced. And... <clears throat> for several years, like that was all it was. It was just let's not talk about it. Ooh, such a guy know, thing. Right? Like I hate to I hate to say that, but that is such a like guy way of handling um trauma. Yeah, just like I, I like that sounds awful, but really like you are alien abducted or like see all of this, you just don't talk about it. <laughs> I know, I can't I, imagine. I can't fathom no. it, but... But that's what they do. And for several years, that's what it... That's kind of, They kind of just leave it at that. Until, um, again, one of the brothers, one of the wieners, it doesn't specify, uh, started having really vivid and horrific nightmares. Um, and almost oh. every single night, he would wake up in a cold sweat and be just in a state of, like, complete terror, just out of his mind. So... Oh my gosh. Yeah. That it makes me really sad though to also think that they because it's I mean, what do you make of it? What do you what do you say? Yeah. Um even if you are pretty sure everyone experienced the same thing like your and then you're keeping it inside that whole yeah. time. Yeah, Ugh. and then and like who are you going to tell outside of that group? It's just like you're setting yourself up to like have trauma after this like and that's exactly what this guy experiences his dreams um he says i was starting to have nightmares really terrible nightmares that i could not explain i found myself in a very brightly lit room i had no idea where i was or why i was there to my left i could see my brother jim chuck and charlie sitting on the same type of bench and they were all naked i was wondering why they weren't helping me because i felt like i was in danger And while I'm trying to figure this out, I notice this figure or a dark shadowy type figure emerging from this light, this bright light in front of me. 
I would wake up sweating, breathing heavily, and just in a state of terror and shock. That's horrifying. That gives me chills. And that is exactly the scene in this movie. Like, I wonder if they were, like, inspired by this story or something, because that's exactly what her dreams are every night. It's... But, and, like, you've even seen, though, even in, like, TV shows and other movies, that's generally the kind of setting. It's always really bright. Mm-hmm. Um, they're on some sort of table or bench, as he describes, and it's just kind of like a little flash in, flash mm-hmm. out, and being terrified, but really nothing other than that. Yeah. And Sometimes some, seeing, like, like you know, figures standing above yeah. you. Yeah, and that's exactly it. So the nightmare started to get so bad that it was affecting his waking life, too. Um, and things got weirder for him when he realized he finally started talking to the other men in, in that camping group and that they were having really similar nightmares themselves. All of the dreams shared elements of feeling completely helpless, and they felt this unknown entity or, like, thing, figure, um, in the shadows near them. Oh, my goodness. And it obviously didn't... Imagine, like, what a relief, though, at this point. Like, a relief, clearly not, but also they're finally able to start talking about it and know that they're not each going crazy. and it's like finally acknowledge that like something happened to them and they're like dealing with it um or at Mm -hmm. least starting to so clearly it didn't take them long to figure out this is connected to whatever had happened out on that lake that night over the trip um so this caused them to contact a ufo researcher ray fowler who's like i guess a, a very prominent um person of the mufon so what he speculated is that they might have been abducted, clearly, by whatever object was in front of them, and they were having suppressed memories kind of bubbling up to the surface in their dreams. So he arranged for um, the men to go under hypnosis and try to get the rest of the memories out to see if there was a complete story. Oof. And they did it. So They did it. They said, all right. like... We're, we're going to go Fuck there. It. Let's do it. So they meet up with um, a hip, hypnotist, right? Hypnotist. Mm-hmm. Um, Anthony Costantino. So they're hypnotized separately. Like, there's no interaction between them, between, like, the hypnosis. They're in completely different places. They're not talking to each other. But all of them have very similar stories of what happened. So in every instance, the men described being taken aboard a strange craft at the time of the lake incident when they had the thing above them. Once they were taken up by the craft, they were put into um, a lit room that looked something like a vet's office. In here, they, uh, okay. Yeah, okay. In here, they were approached by gray, long-necked entities with large, bald heads, metallic, lidless eyes, and four skeletal fingers which approached them and proceeded to carry out a series of humiliating medical experiments on them. They took body fluid and tissue samples, and they performed painful procedures with some silver machine. Sounds like the gynecologist. Yeah, it really does. Fultz, in particular, 
Oh, in Fultz's story, he described um, a lot of different types of experiments and like probes um, and really painful scans oh. that happened to him, often uh, in, during the hypnosis with screaming out in agony. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's. Oof. Ugh. Yeah. Uh, you also think it's like they clearly have technology to do a lot. And so they could make it a not so hellish experience, mm-hmm. um, you know, but they don't care. Yeah, so it they shows just don't care. It's like how probably scientists treat mice mm-hmm. in a laboratory. Yeah. Like no care for their comfort of their pain levels. It's just basically to get the test done. That's a pretty awful thing to think of. It's always awful. I like I hate thinking about animals t- getting tested on, and I get sometimes it is necessary. But what if we're just those animals to a higher? Yeah, well, species? it's definitely like a <clears throat> not a reality check, but a, a, like the word is escaping me. But it's almost like humbling in a way that it's like we could just be the animals that are being poked and prodded for someone that is way or something that is way beyond us, like just to be. Yeah. Put into the situation that we've been doing to creatures for ever. Yeah. It's very strange. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Like, if this really does occur, um, and if, you know, whatever entity is taking us, um, for them to have such a lack of concern for our existence is, I don't know. That's weird. That's weird to think about. It, yeah. Well, and one of the brothers said, when when he's you know describing this whole process um, of going through this hypnosis, he says they don't know what to do. I think they think I'm going to come after them. I feel like I want to. I feel like I want to. The first one that comes near me, I'm going to throttle him. I don't like these things. I don't care where they come from. They shouldn't be doing this to people. They're right there. Their face is right in my face. I don't know why. I don't want to know. I don't want to know what they want. They're saying things in my head. They're saying, don't be afraid. They say, do what we say. Just do what we say. That's so eerie. Oh my gosh. And you actually, like, you got tears from me for the first time in the (laughs) whole season. That's awful. Don't cry. I'm just thinking of, like, though, honestly, that coming from, like, a bunny or something. Oh, no. I know, but, like, we do that. I just, when he's like, I don't want to know what they are. I don't want to know anything about them. I don't I know, care. I just want He them. has no understanding. Yeah. Like, I just want it to stop. <laughs> Louise. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Wow. Okay. Thanks, Wiener. <laughs> Gosh. Well, I mean, it's a... Uh, it's horrifying. It's horrible. Like, it is so horrifying. Like, we, we joke and we laugh about, you know, these experiences because we have no understanding of that terror, but... And it's the only way we can, like, even process something like that. But uh, it's just so much to, to bury. Yeah. And this, like, that quote just that statement from his session is the first time I've ever heard anything like that in regards to like an abduction experience just complete like 
I don't care what's happening. Just make it stop. It's just so animalistically, like, this is wrong. I don't like it. I want to defend myself. Mm-hmm. And that's all that matters in his mind. Yeah. He doesn't care. It's like, it doesn't matter that they're aliens. doesn't matter that where they are. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just survival yeah. and the need to live or be away from, you know, this that experience. Yeah. <sighs> okay. <clears throat> so all of these sessions occur. Um, and they're all independent, but all of the men describe almost the exact same thing right up to one of the, one of the guys faults having those bizarre body scans that were like extremely painful. Like they all recall that happening and them being artists cause they were at the art school. They were students at the art school. They were able to draw detailed sketches, um, of the entities that were in the room and they all looked exactly the same. And they were all um, administered psychiatric evaluations um, and polygraph tests, and they all passed. Even the... Uh, It's also... I want to see their illustrations, too, because usually it's like someone drawing some fucked up looking frog man. (laughs) And so not only do you have like pretty solid witnesses, obviously, they've also... They're able to describe this yeah they can they can show us like what actually happened um even the hypnotist um was like really taken aback by this entire experience he said it was the most intense experience I've had as a hypnotist after working with those guys I was scared and I still am I think it's true I think that they were being tagged the way we tag and study sharks and bears and then release them back into the wild yeah yeah oh yeah and then how you would just never feel because tagged so that they can follow you, that they can watch your every move and sometimes even come get you again. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, and oftentimes it's like a reoccurring thing for people. So who knows yeah. what else has happened to these men? So with, you know, all of the evidence, everything that was done, it appeared that they were telling the truth or they all four of them so strongly believed that they were and had the exact same details and experience that they were recounting. Also, like, and to, I, I've never been hypnotized, but from what I've seen, you also just don't really have control over... I mean, I'm sure some there are cases, but mm-hmm. if someone is truly being hypnotized, you can't really act. You can't, you know, you're not going by a script mm-hmm. and to have four excellent actors able to fool this one hypnotist who's clearly, you know, pretty well-versed in his craft. No, that just doesn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. So the MUFON guy, Fowler, he was so, like, enthralled by this entire case that he wrote a book about it, The Allagash Abductions. Um, But over the years, it started to reveal that there might be some cracks in the story. And this really all started with, Charles Rack, one of the guys on the camping trip, um, he started to just become kind of silent on the matter of the abduction, even when the three other guys were like freely discussing it um, with researchers and people that were interesting or interested. Charles Rack finally came forward to make the claim that 
although the lights in the sky had been real, that the abductions had been entirely fabricated by the group for the purpose of making some money. Pretty much the only thing that he agreed really happened was that they saw some strange light in the sky, but according to him, the missing time and the eerie alien encounters that were described was just bullshit and never actually happened. He also added that on top of all of this, they were super stoned at the time of the encounter. Word. (laughs) Just like, damn. (laughs) He's like, man, they were just tripping balls. I am a great pot smoker, and uh, I was pretty cognizant. Yeah. They were just on a trip. So that's like a bit of a buzzkill. But the other three... So Jack, Charlie, and then Jim? Yeah. Jack, Charlie, and Jim. The two brothers and then the other guy. Um, They're like, no, this is real. Uh, Jim said that Jack, Charlie, and I, after all of these years, are still in agreement with the Eagle Lake event that that we remember. We also accept the results of the hypnotic regression sessions and subsequent polygraph tests as supportive of an abduction scenario. So even if that Charles Rack is like, maybe he just doesn't want the attention on him. Maybe he's telling the truth and none of this actually occurred. Like, that's causing issues. On top of it, um, Fowler, the mo- So, yeah. So sorry. So, but he went through the hypnosis too and gave the same accounts and everything. Yeah. So then backtracked and decided to become, you know, whistleblower um, and come clean. That's kind of the series of events. Yeah. But there's kind of another layer to it. He has been called out as trying to intentionally destroy the credibility um, of the rest of the guys because they say, the other three, say that Rack was the only one that was trying to make money off of this horror old deal. And the rest of them didn't agree with that and didn't want him to do that. So there was quite a falling out between the group. And then he came forward and said, this is all bullshit. They're lying. Maybe because he couldn't make any money off of it. I, I want to know who made any money. <laughs> I don't think any of these guys did. And like, it sounds like Rack tried to... But the other guys were, like, kind of shutting him down. Yeah. And they were also really quick to point out that Rack had a bit of a temper. And he could lose <laughs> control uh, pretty easily. So, yeah. Uh, by the end of it, they were all just trying to avoid him. <sighs> so he may Rack. not be the most reliable in terms of what actually happened. Yeah. That's tough. Yeah, it is tough. Because you don't want to, like just discount someone because they have a bad temper or like I have a temper or like have a history (laughs) of you know issues or whatever but I don't know you also have three people that are like it's just so easy to discredit an abduction story um yeah I I don't know but he does he's not getting anything out of this except screwing those three guys over which if that's yeah. what he wanted to do. Sour grapes. He did it. Um, and that's... So people believed him then. Yeah. And that's pretty much it. Sucks. So what's, what are they doing now? I don't know. 
people still debate what actually happened. The three witnesses, other than Rack, have continued to stand by their story. And ultimately, this is just kind of out there, and they're not going to do anything more with it. So Yeah, well, what can you do? I mean, I they've shared what they know, unless they Get undergo something deal? else. Well, yeah, that, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of things, yeah. but um, <laughs> TV, yeah. book, I don't know. But that's it. <clears throat> that is the tale of the Allagash abductions. That's an intense um, collection of events. It really is. I think it's fascinating, and I think it's just so, so rare to hear of a group experiencing all the same thing, all at the same time, and like, yeah, which is it could be like a big pro or a big con, mm-hmm. yeah, um, pro because all of their stories really were aligned; they were able to at least get this hypnotist to believe them. Mm-hmm. It's also interesting that. They also, it, it was several years after the occurrence mm-hmm. that they decided to reopen this memory or kind of experience, mm-hmm. which actually kind of makes sense though, because if you really were trying to bury it, it you, you could, mm-hmm. you could do that for your entire life. But one of them started experiences, experiencing these nightmares and probably just opened up kind of that memory for everyone else if he started talking about it. Yeah. It just, it seems to all make sense to me. Yeah. And that they really had nothing to gain and didn't try to gain anything out of this whole experience. Like, they did not try to profit from this whatsoever. And the only one that did is the one that is calling bullshit. So it's just, like, that doesn't add up. Um, I don't doubt them. I believe them. Yeah, I do too. Uh... It's just that, again, they could be just fantastic actors, but everything that they put together is a pretty strong case. Yeah. And that uh, memory that one of them recounted is, that sounds like serious trauma. Like, that sounds like a, you, it, it's tough to just kind of make that up, mm-hmm. I guess. Also, like, mid-hypnosis yeah. to be able to, I yeah. don't know, who knows, I, not me, but I believe yeah. them. So again, like the only other explanation is that these guys are master actors and were able to pull that off, which would be so difficult. And they were they went oh, to art yeah. school. They weren't a, like they're not performing performers. They're all like visual arts. I trust them. I'm all about it. You can always have some faith in some wieners. Wieners and checks. <clears throat> yep. <laughs> the good things in life. <laughs> Nasty. Um, hot dogs. I, know. I do love hot dogs. Oh, me too. Gosh. Like they are so good. Even when you just throw them in the microwave. Oh yeah. Put them on a bun. I will have. That's like the mm-hmm. best. I'll just have like really intense hot dogs, or like hot dog cravings, and I just need same. a hot dog. I am the same. That's why I keep them frozen <laughs> at all times. And not even like a fancy like whatever like a bratwurst or whatever polish dog i'm just like get me a frank's ballpark give me some Mm -hmm. mustard oof so good i could eat probably i'm not going to say how many i could probably eat but a lot because one is just like that barely even 
fates my oh no you gotta have like like three the the floodgates yeah yes for sure sure. like at least (laughs) so good now I really want one. Might have to go uh, pull one out of the freezer. <laughs> Start thawing those bad boys. Ooh-wee. Oh no! Just throw it right into the microwave. <laughs> the whole pack. Sick. Have you also noticed um, the buns? Like never. Well, not never, but it takes a long time for them to get stale. Yeah, it's great. And they never get mold on them. They're just like processed, disgusting, but so good. <laughs> They're so, so good. good. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Let's go have um, a hot dog to celebrate the end of season one. Cheers, some hot dogs. Cheers. Two wieners. <laughs> wieners for the wieners. <laughs> Thank you. That was a hell of a way to wrap up this season. I'm um, glad you enjoyed it. And to give a little uh, insight into why we are... Uh, kind of pulling pulling this season together um i am moving to australia next month so we're gonna go through a little bit of transition time uh trying to figure out the 15 19 hour time difference something along those lines and um maybe i'll tell you some more about these australian paranormal experiences yes as they come you're gonna have so many more stories Weird from down yes. under. Can't wait. Not that excited for you to leave, but I'll support it. Yeah. I'll yeah. support it. It's all for the it's all for the craft. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, for one last time, at least this season until April, um, tell us what you think. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this tale. Um, if you think it's just they're full of shit, if you believe them, um, how do you like your hot dogs? Let us know. Ooh, yeah. We want to know all of it. So share with us. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Something Weird Podcast. And among your opinions about uh, the Allagash encounter, we want to hear your own stories. Uh, could be about your vet visits, but you're being tested on. Could be your hot dog paranormal stories I don't know we just want to hear your (laughs) stories because they are fantastic Uh, we have heard some really good ones this year Uh, and maybe we'll try to sneak some into season two start the start the next one off with a bang Um, got some in mind so if you enjoyed any bit of the podcast thank you for tuning in I guess that's not really what you do. You probably download it to your Spotify or Apple playlist, but thank you for doing that. And if you could just let us know with a big five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, it makes a huge difference. You can always leave us a little review too. Um, Keep our spirits lifted as we fly thousands of miles away from each other. We we want the truth out there though. And uh, we're really appreciative of your listens and your engagement and your likes on our ridiculous posts. <laughs> well, friends, it has been a wild 36 weeks. Almost um, a baby could have been born almost. in this time frame. Yeah. Um, we've 
loved it. We've learned a lot. We've messed up a lot, but we've had a great time. It's been wonderful. And we're grateful for you coming here and listening to our nonsense. So thank you. And well, until season two. Stay, 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 stay. Weirdy, 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 weirdy. Yep. <laughs> Bye.